0: Amen. Hey, Bobby, we are once again in World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. The 10th topic It Seventh day Adventism. Adventism. Give it up for Bobby. Golf clap. Golf clap. Hey, no, 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 no. Remember, golf clap, regular claps, the whole hand. Golf clap is this little, little titty, tappy, tappy thing. Hey, hey, choo choo. Right. Okay. But anyway, as you turn there in a workbook, Seventh day Adventism, of course, is the topic that we're on. We already dealt with the issue. That they're a cult, not just by biblical definition, but even secular definition. We're going to get into that, Lord One even more tonight. We had a little check. Make sure that what we're doing this is not just to win a debate. We're here to read to them. Because they have a works-based gospel, which is a false gospel, and they need to know that it's only through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. We've been dealing with uh, quite some time for the history, because you've got to understand where this is coming from. Start with this guy, William Miller, with a date setter. Even though he admitted he got the wrong, shouldn't set dates, they didn't want to stop it. So they kept it going. It spawned a whole bunch of different cults, and one of those was the Seventh-day Adventists. Okay, and out of that also came, eventually, Jehovah's Witnesses, etc. Well, the big guns, if you will, in the beginning with the Seventh-day Adventists, spinning off from William Miller, and the date-setting issue was Bates James. James White and Ellen G. White is what we dealt with the last couple times, dealing with her claim to be a prophetess and all that. We're going to get into that, Lord willing, again tonight. And how many, did, you, did anybody go back and count how many times she got it wrong? And she split, and what was the biblical rule, Deuteronomy? You get it wrong even once, and you are not a prophet of God. Okay, and she got it wrong a multitude of times. Now, that leads us to the top of the page. We're going to begin to take a look. Well, 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 hey, aren't you guys being harsh? I mean, how do you know that these guys are a cult? I mean, that's a pretty strong word to throw a label on these guys because they tell us, hey, we're Christian just like you. And the key phrase for tonight is liar, liar, pants on fire. We're going to see that tonight. But eventually, we're going to take a look at the five marks of a cult, and hopefully we can get through the first three. Now, the first one, how do you know that you're involved in a cult? How do you know the Seventh-day Adventists are a cult? Well, it always comes Down to the top thing, and that is your source of authority. Now, what's our source of authority is Christians, evangelical Christians? The Bible and what else? The Bible. That was yes, very confident there, Victor. Yes, and you're right. The Bible and that's it, period. Right? We saw the problem is when people say the Bible and or I, me, experience this, that, they, who, no, no, it's the Bible. That's your source of authority. Now, if you stick with that, and you just apply common sense, biblical interpretation rules, just like you would with other documents, right, you don't have to spiritualize it, you're going to come across with just evangelical Christianity, but that's not what they do. That's why they're cult, because they don't have the Bible as their sole source of authority. They add to that, guess who? L. N. G. White, okay? And, uh, and their so-called Bible is called the Clear Word Bible. Now, the only thing that's clear about it is the words are a hack job, just like the Jehovah's Witnesses, and it's not the same Bible. We'll get into that as well as tonight. So they mess it up twice. They not only say, oh, yeah, the Bible, but G White. Okay, their version of the Bible, the Clear Word Bible, is a perversion. It's a hack job. We'll get into that tonight. But let's take a look at the top there. The S. D. A. Stop date setting again is what, no, 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 I know that sounds familiar, but it really is Seventh-day Adventist, but that is what it started on. Uh, the SDA believes that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant word of God. Oh, I wish that were true, but what's the theme for tonight? Lie, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> you might say that because you so desperately don't want to be labeled as a cult, but you lied. Okay, we're going to see that, okay? Now, here's what they say, however, okay, wait a second, so you stop right there, you just contradicted yourself. Right? The Bible and only the Bible. However, <laughs> that's the Bible and Bible or Bible. Okay, throwing it's the same thing. However, the official church position of the Seventh day Adventist is that Ellen White performed the work of a true prophet. Is your blank there? A true prophet. Now, wait a second. A true prophet, if it's a true prophet, how many times can you get it wrong? None. How many times did she get it wrong? We lost count. Right. And uh, I don't know how many times, and we didn't deal with them all, okay? During the 70 years of our public ministry, and this is their statement on it, the, quote, gift of prophecy, right? One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they say, is prophecy. This gift is an identifying mark of the remnant church. Ooh, boy, doesn't that sound spiritually elite, right? We're not just the church. We are the remnant church. Now, what does that imply? The rest of us are what? Old fuddy-duddies, old-fashioned, we don't know the truth, right? They've got the latest light. Who does that sound like? What does that sound like? It sounds like a cult, right? Mormons are the same thing. Jehovah's Witnesses is the same thing. But that's it. They're the true remnant church. That only God spoke through this lady, Ellen G. White. That's starting to sound like Captain Kirk. Anyway, it's only God... <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> Only God, right, can speak through her, right? It's a cold, right? It's a cold. It's what's going on. But the remnant church and was manifested in the ministry of Ellen G. White. As the Lord's messenger, her writings, listen, this is their official position. Her writings are a continuing and authoritative source of the church, which provide the church what? Comfort, guidance, instruction, and correction. What? Yeah, turn to 2 Timothy 3.16. You should have that memorized, but let's go there anyway. Excuse me? You're putting her on par with that? I don't think so. Uh, here's what the Bible says is going to be our source of truth and comfort and etc. 2 Timothy 3.16, the classic phrase there uh, from the Lord. And he says, all Scripture. What, what is it? All scripture is from God, right? It's god breathed, okay, and is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, if I need to be corrected, if I need to be rebuked sometimes, if I need to be trained in righteousness, if I, and on and on, where do I go? How am I going to grow up? How am I going to become a righteous man, a righteous woman in Christ? Where do I go? Right here. Did you see what she just said? It's her words that are basically going to provide that. So therefore, her own words, about her words, is saying what? She's on par with what? The Bible. And that's their position, right? So you sit there and say that you got the same Bible, it's the same thing, it's only the Bible, but your words are undermining that. Now, let's get back to the issue. We've already dealt with this before, but while you got it open there, go flip over a couple of books to Hebrews chapter 1, right? Hebrews chapter 1, this gift of prophecy, right? She's supposed to be this prophetess, right? And that she's speaking authoritative, right? Well, what's the Bible say about that? Is that even in function for today? Well, read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, what's the key word there? Rhymes with past. Past, that's right, Debbie. Past. In the past, right, God spoke to our fathers through the what? Through the prophets. That was a real, that was a real ministry, right? That's how God spoke during that time, okay? Okay, and, and at many times in various ways. But, key word there, in these last days, he has spoken to us by who? Ellen G. White? Starting from 1844, no, I'm sorry, wrong translation, Uh, through his son, Jesus, right? Where are the words of Jesus recorded for us? In the Bible, the New Testament, where are the uh, words of the Old Testament prophets recorded for us? In the Bible, in the Old Testament. So guess what? In the past, that's how God spoke, but the Old Testament's been canonized, it's already there. Now, in the last days, he's spoken to us directly through his son, Jesus, and that's already recorded for us. Do I need Ellen G. White? Do I need another person? No, so this whole gift you're saying this in function for day, I disagree with anyway, okay? But this is their position. They want to say, okay, that her words are just as valuable as the Scripture. They also make clear that the Bible is the standard by which all teaching and experience must be tested from. Well, that's great, but as again we saw the last two weeks, how many times did this so-called providence, which I don't even believe is in existence today, but whatever, how many times did she get it wrong? Oodles of time, right? So we did test it according to the Bible, but apparently you don't. Okay, And again, you're speaking with forked tongue. What's the key phrase again for tonight? What's the theme? Liar, liar, on fire. fire, fire, fire. Right? You say it because you just so desperately don't want to be called a cult. But I'm sorry, you can't even make it past this first one. No different than Jehovah's Witnesses. You've got a different source of truth. No different than Mormons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, if that isn't abundantly clear, that's the church's position, the Seventh-day Adventist. Right? White herself claimed, and we saw this before, this is just another of a long string of quotes of what she said. She said, when I send you a testimony, and what does she mean by testimony? Her visions. God told me. I saw. I saw. He told me to tell you. Right? That's what she means, the testimonies, her words. right? When I send you a testimony of warning and reproof, many of you declare it to be merely the opinion of Sister White. You have therefore insulted, listen, the Spirit of God. Excuse me? So not only the church says, oh, no, it's just on par with the Bible. What she say? Her words are as good as gold, as good as from the mouth of God. And you better listen to it. Wow. Okay, now, now with all that said, here comes the... What's it in the phrase for tonight? Lie, lie, pants on fire. So they admit that she is an authoritative truth, just like the Bible. She admits that, or she said that she believes that her words are the words of God, and you better do what she says. But then on the other hand, okay, they lied. They produced a document, okay, and uh, called the QOD, okay, questions on doctrine. And this is what they approached Dr. Walter Martin with and uh, 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 Barnhouse with, okay, and they lied to him. And I'll show you that proof in just a second, okay? So on the one hand, they say, yes, we go outside the Bible, we listen to Ellen G. White, she admitted too. But then on the other hand, they say, oh, no, 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 no. And this is what we're going to see. The SDA's question on doctrine, or the QOD, states, while well, Adventists hold the writings of Ellen G. White in the highest esteem. Yet, yeah, these are not the source of our expositions. <clears throat> Go ahead, you can do it. <clears throat> are you kidding me? <laughs> we saw the last couple of weeks. Where are they getting all this stuff from? It's from her. You lied. Right? Right. We base our teachings on the Scriptures, the only foundation of all true Christian doctrine. However, <clears throat> there it is again. We sit there and say, oh yeah, it's just the Bible. However, that means it's not the Bible. However, it is our belief that the Holy Spirit opened to her mind important events and called her to give certain instructions for these last days. And inasmuch as these instructions and in our understanding are in harmony with the word of God, how, how harmonized were they the last two weeks? Not at all. <laughs> okay, so so again, they throw out the right phrase. Oh no, no, no. But do they practice it? No. Which is called a lie. Okay, you lie. Okay, they said it's only in harmony with the Word of God, which uh, the Word alone is able to make us wise unto salvation. We as a denomination accept them as inspired counsels from the Lord. Excuse me? So then you say, oh, no, it's only the Bible, but then Anybody starting to get... You said one thing, but you, you... Okay, it's not lying up. But we have never equated them with Scripture as some falsely charged. I just read your statement up here. I read her statement. And how many statements have we already seen in her study? You lied, right? But again, this is a portion of that document that they came to Dr. Walter Martin because they desperately did not want to be called a cult. Right? So it's doublespeak. Right? But we never have equated them with Scripture as some falsely charged. Mrs. White herself stated explicitly the relations of her writings to the Bible. Little heed is given to the Bible. And the Lord has given a lesser light to lead men and women to the greater light. Uh, the Lord designs to warn you to reprove, to counsel, through the testimonies... What's the testimonies? It's her vision. So then they even try to quote her. Oh, by the way, why don't you quote the one we just quoted above? When she says it's clearly from the Spirit of God, what she's saying, you better do what she says, amongst other quotes. No, no, you just took this one. But even this one that she uses, supposedly as a proof text, that L.G. White is saying, oh, no, don't listen to me, just listen to the Bible. What's it say here? Through the testimonies given. What's the testimonies? That's her writings. That's her utterances, her visions, and all that stuff. And to impress your minds with the importance of the truth of his words. Okay. So this, again, is just a portion of what they approached them with because they didn't want to be called a cult. I'll get to more of that in a little bit. Now, in 1980s, we saw before, Walter Rhea, an SDA minister, so he's from their own camp, okay? <clears throat> he announced research showing that Ellen White plagiarized nearly 90% of her writings. What's that? Right. Why? What's the phrase again? Right. Right. Why? Well, on fire. some Right now, because of this, and they admit it, and it's on historical records, so what are they trying to do? There, it's called backpedaling. Some modern SDA leaders tend to water down the SDA's official stance of viewing white as a prophet. Why? Because the prophets don't lie if you're really from God and you don't get it wrong. And she did both, okay? And so they, oh, no, no, no. But do you see, there's even in their own camp, there's confusion, there's dishonesty, you're lying. All because you're trying to escape the label of a cult. We haven't even got through the other four. This is still just the four. And this is just a classical definition, not just the biblical definition, but the secular definition. How do you know you're involved in a cult? It always starts with the source of authority. And if you go outside the scripture, God told me I had this vision, this experience, or this lady, or this prophetess, this prophet, this apostle, this, I don't care who they are. If it's outside the scripture, run. Okay? But they don't, they run to her. Now, we're going to get in just a second. Uh, how they don't just run to her outside the Bible. Again, I'm going to give you evidence that their version of the Bible called the Clear Word Bible is a hack job, just like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay, let's take a look at that. Clear Word Bible. Is it the Word of God? Rhymes with no, for those of you wondering. Okay. (laughs) Despite this affirmation of the character of the Bible, the SDA church demonstrates a different approach to the Scripture in its popular version of the Bible called the Clear Word Bible. The many changes made to the biblical text in the clear word Bible are ultimately destructive to the integrity of God's word. You know what that is? That's a fancy way of saying they mess it up. They they, they insert in there what is not there to try to justify their false teachings. Now, I'm going to give you some examples. Now, the first example is what they do with their version of the Bible to get the Bible to try to say that we need to worship on Saturday. And that's the issue of the, the Sabbath. Okay, now let's take a look at that. Okay uh adventists we saw before say that we need to observe the seventh day sabbath worship on saturday and that that is the seal of god Er, what did we see last time what's the seal of god who is the seal of god the holy spirit right so you got that wrong but they say that the worshiping just the act of worshiping on a saturday on a day is going to become the final test of loyalty to christ for all christians so if all i got to do is go worship god on a saturday i'm in like flint why did Christ go on the cross? Why, why did he die on the cross? It's crazy. Now, you're thinking, well, there's no way they can make that stand up with the scripture. And you're right. So what are you going to do if you claim to be a Christian? I'm going to have to take the scripture and hack it. I don't recommend it, but that's what they do. Let me give you some examples. This is no different than what we saw the Jehovah's Witnesses do. It's not, remember we saw the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, uh, translation, the New World Translation. It wasn't a translation. It was a perversion. Same thing that's going on here. Let me give you just a couple examples. Exodus 16, 5. The real Bible says, And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. That's it. The clear word version, their version says, On the sixth day they should gather twice as much as on the other days, so as to leave enough room for the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, the day I set aside for worship and rest. Excuse me? A whole giant chunk in there that's not even in the original text. It it doesn't say that. They they added, which is the Sabbath, the day I set aside for worship. That doesn't appear in any biblical manuscript. They added that in there. Excuse me, so that's the same Bibles we got? No. And it's not just you're adding Ellen G. White's false teachings into this thing. You're hacking the scripture to fit her false teachings. Oh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Exodus 31 says, the real Bible... Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbath ye shall keep. And it's going to be a sign between you and I, Israel. Well, you know what they say? Here's what they turn into. Say to the people. Most importantly, remember to keep the Sabbath holy because it's a very special day for me and it's a day of rest for you. They purposely hack out Israel, the people of Israel, anything with Israel, because who is the Sabbath in reference to? Israel, not the church. Is that being honest? No, that's a lie. What's the phrase? lie, liar, pants on fire. Right? Leviticus 23, six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. That's all it says. That's the real Bible. Their version says, there has always been the weekly Sabbath. <laughs> it's not even close. Not e- that's a perversion, not a translation. Ezekiel 45, and it shall be the prince's part to give burnt offerings and meat offerings and drink offerings in the feasts and in the new moons and in the Sabbaths and all the solemnities of the house of Israel to make reconciliation for the house of Israel. So guess what they hack out? Everything about the, uh, Israel. It will be the duty, they say, to provide these national offerings instead of Israel. right? Appointing festivals for the special Sabbath and atonement for the nation as a whole. It doesn't say nation, it says Israel. But why do they have to get rid of Israel? Because they say it's binding on everybody. That's not a translation, that's a perversion. Okay, Acts 20, verse 7, the Bible, the real Bible says, and upon the first day of the week, which is Sunday, but it says there just simply, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Well, Here's what they turned into. After sundown on Saturday night, it didn't say that. It just simply said, on the Lord's Day. It didn't say anything about the Sabbath. It didn't say anything about Saturday. On the Lord's Day, was Sunday anyway. The believers got together for a fellowship meal. Notice it wasn't breaking bread. To say goodbye to Paul. That evening, he spoke to them until midnight, after which he hoped to get a few hours sleep before leaving early Sunday morning. You tweaked the days. That's not what the text... You, what is, that's a lie. Larry, you're getting into it. It's fine. It took about eight times, but we're getting some audience participation tonight. That's right. Uh, but anyway, so they completely hack it. Now, that's just dealing with the Sabbath, right? Because that's a false teaching, right? Uh, let, let me just give you a couple more, and we'll move on. Uh, the real Bible says, Hebrews 4, 9, there remaineth, therefore, a rest to the people of God. That's all it says. Here's what they turned into. There still remains the offer of a spiritual rest that God intends for each generation to have, Of which the Sabbath is the symbol. None of that's in the original manuscript. So is that a translation? No, it's a perversion. It's a hack job because you're trying to support uh, this stuff. And I'll give you one more uh, with the Sabbath. Uh, The original Bible, Revelation 1.10, simply says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That's it. John, of course, speaking. They say, on Sabbath morning, when I had gone to the Rocky Island shore to meditate and worship. Not even Close. But again, you're trying to say that's when we got to worship God is on the Sabbath, right? And the text doesn't even say that. Now, that's not only another false doctrine. We're dealing with their source of authority outside LNG White, which is bad enough with all due respect. The clear word Bible, they twist it, hack it, contort it, change it to agree with their false doctrine. That's, by the way, not how you're supposed to interpret the scripture. The Bible speaks out to you, you not into the Bible. And you certainly don't change it, okay? But they also have a, a false doctrine on hell. Remember they believe in annihilation, poof, you just cease to exist like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, <clears throat> they also believe in what's called soul sleep. They don't believe in hell. So guess what? And you're going like, oh, how in the world do you justify that with the Bible? You don't. So guess what's your only alternative? You either submit to the scripture, hey, that's the right thing to do. Unfortunately, you don't do the right thing. They twist the scripture. Let me give you a couple examples. Isaiah 66, 24. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me, for their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched. Meaning it goes on forever. And they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. They turned it into, it will be an abhorrent sight. But just as worms don't stop until they devour the dead, and the fire doesn't stop until it destroys... So the fires of the Lord will destroy the wicked and consume them all. That's not what it says. Right? What, what's the impression they want you to get? When you, man, you 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 just poof. You just you're annihilated, you poof, you're consumed, you're done. That's not what the that's not what the passage said. It continues on and on. Right? Matthew 10 28. And fear not them, Jesus speaking, by the way, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Plain day, right? You need to be afraid to go into hell. That's what Jesus said. Here's what they turned into. Don't be afraid that you might be killed. They can kill your body, but not your spirit or your loyalty to me. Now, if there is something to be concerned about, it's that you don't lose your faith in God. <laughs> no, it's about not going to hell. They completely took out the word hell amongst other things in that passage, and just said, "No, it's about just make just don't, make sure you're loyal to Christ and don't lose your faith." No, it's about don't go to hell. A total perversion. Matthew 18. The real Bible says, "Jesus again, and if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It's better for thee to enter life uh, into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into." Hell, literally hell, fire. Here's what they turn into. If, for example, your eye places a wrong value on things, be willing to lose your eye to keep your moral innocence. If you have to make a choice, it's better to not be great in this life and yet live forever than to lose your childlike innocence and have everything in with this life. What? That is so far off base. But notice how they completely wiped away Hell, and the eternality of hell. It's childlike innocence. None of this is in the original manuscripts at all. Right? Now, you're thinking, well, how do they get around Luke 16? You remember that? That's a classic one. Right? You want to show somebody hell? Right? you got the rich man and Lazarus, and of course Lazarus was Abraham's bosom in paradise, and the rich man, he's what? In torment, in hell. He's, uh, oh, I'm in agony, right? You know what they do to undermine that? Apparently, they couldn't hack the context, so they start that whole parable with something that does not appear in any manuscript. They start the whole thing by acting like Jesus is just telling something make-believe, that he's dispelling a myth. No, he's teaching truth. Listen, they start that parable, with, and it doesn't appear in the manuscript. You keep telling the people the Jewish fable about a rich man. They put that into Jesus' mouth. They say and that's what he started the whole thing with. They're like, hey, you guys keep telling the story about this, this rich guy, and that's just a fable. Don't listen to that. And oh, well, by the way, let me tell you what you've been leading people astray with. Can you believe that? Crazy. The Clear Word Bible is perhaps one of the most deceptive Bibles in recent times, just like the Jehovah's Witnesses. For 150 years, Seventh-day Adventists have been, listen, have called the Roman Catholic Church the beast for admitting two verses of the law against images. Remember we saw that in our 12-hour study on Ro- there it is there's Star Trek. On our 12-hour <laughs> study on Roman Catholicism, remember that? Remember what they do with the 10 commandments? They hack out what? Number 2, you shall not have any idols. Now why would they hack that out? Because idol worship figurines baby, that's a lot of money, right? And you got to worship them and all. That's the whole rigmarole. Right? And so then they waited, well, that leaves you with nine, No, only take the tenth one and split it into two, to, so you still end up with ten. So I agree, that's, that's wrong, you shouldn't do that, but listen, they call, the, they, they rail on the Catholic Church, and dare I say rightly so, we've already been through that, for two verses. But these guys have made hundreds, hundreds of these kind of textual changes, insertions, hack job deletions that's not even there. Now in the South, what's the word for that? Hypo. Hypocrite, right? Each deletion and change admits to some part of their teachings which the Bible refutes, right? These changes are made to uphold E.G. Ellen White's non-biblical views. Now what's God say about that? Excuse me, you better not touch my word. Deuteronomy 4.2 says, You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it. Proverbs thirty five 5 and 6 reiterates the point, Every word of God is pure. And thou not unto his words, uh, add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and here's the phrase, and thou be found a liar, liar, pants on fire. Oh, well, by the way, what's Revelation say too? You add anything to this book, right? you going to get it, Crone Translation. You're going to get bad. <laughs> okay, that's street talk probably. <laughs> okay. It's just crazy, okay? But that's what they say, you know, in fact, uh, one guy he says this, "The Seventh-day Adventist Church goes to great lengths to try to be accepted as just another Christian denomination, right? But in our opinion, the movement should instead be considered theologically a cult of Christianity based on its serious doctrinal errors." Okay? Now, back to the issue. This is the dance that they play. They want to put on this air, "Oh no, and I've already heard it from the online community, some of them Pastor Billy, how could you say this about Seventh-day Adventists? I know several of them. They're great. I'm not saying they're not a nice person. By the way, being nice doesn't get you to heaven. Lots of nice people go to hell. There's only one way out, and that's through the work of Jesus. Okay. But I know they're really nice. And they're Christians. How could you say that they're not Christians? And they've already said it. Because are you not aware that Dr. Walter Martin met with them, and he said that they're not a cult? And that's their proof. I'm going like, well, I'm just dealing with the substance, right? But whatever. But let's go back to that issue, right? Uh, they met with Walter Martin and some of his evangelical colleagues, okay? And uh, I think it was in the 50s. And including Donald Gray Barnhouse, great commentary, uh, had with the leaders, okay? And uh, it was 1955, and uh, they wanted to make sure. So did they lie to him? yes. And when I just quoted to you earlier, they say that the QOD, it's called Questions on Doctrine, that's basically what they presented to him. And the whole thing was a front, it was a facade. Okay? They say on the one hand that, uh, oh no, this is, you know, true Christianity. But in practice, it's something totally different. And I quote Ever since the Adventist Church published Questions on Doctrine, QOD, to convince Martin and Barnhouse that it was not a cult, The organization continued publishing materials endorsing traditional Adventism. What's that mean? They produced this document just so they would not be labeled in the mainstream as a cult, but they lied. They continued on with the false teaching regardless. Also, not only that, you know they uh, created a serious backlash within the Seventh-day Adventist church, if you want to call it that, uh, the movement, okay, because... They not only provided this document, which is not what they believe. It was a facade just to escape the label of a cult. But guess who also got a copy of that document that they gave to Dr. Walton? Martin. The Seventh-day Adventist Church. And still to this day, I quote, It has resulted in more longer-lasting controversy within the Adventist Church than any other issue that the church has faced. Because they got... This was a few church leaders, right? Right? And they produced this document, which was a lie, to escape the label of a cult. The Seventh-day Adventist church got a hold of it, and they got so mad because they said, this is not what we believe. So they lost on both ends, right? So the lie, they may have escaped originally the label of a cult, but it caused major, still to this day, fractures in the Seventh-day Adventist movement. Because they said, how could you say that this is what we believe when it's not what we believe? Right? You see what I'm saying? You can't win for lose. The whole thing was a lie, and I'm telling you, you need, I wanted to share that with you because I'm already hearing people, but Dr. Walter Martin said they lied to him. They lied to him. One guy said this, the definition of lie is to tell an untruth with the intent to deceive. Included in the definition is the act of not telling the whole truth or telling partial truths with the intent to mislead. Given this definition of lie, the simple answer to the question must be clear. Yes, Adventist leadership lied to Dr. Walter Martin on record, right? But that's not all. So that's their, why are they a cult? Because their source of authority is messed up, right? So what's the second sign you're involved in the cult? Not only with the source of authority, but your view of God in slash, dare I say, even the Trinity, okay? And they don't get this right. Now, this is something, the next two, sec, next two points... I severely, respectfully disagree with the author of this workbook. Okay, And here's what he says on the nature of God, including the Trinity, in regards to Seventh-day Adventism. Just a couple lines there. The early writings, he says, of Ellen White are ambiguous regarding the Trinity, but current official SDA teaching agrees with historical biblical Christianity on the nature of God, including the doctrine of the Trinity. No, that is not true at all. So I, this was a little bit disappointing, that he has this in there, okay? But I think he fell for a little bit of the spillover effect from these guys when they lied to Dr. Walter Martin because they they put on this front that we're biblical Christianity when they're not. In fact, one guy says this, it is telling that even some apologetic ministries have not picked up on the problems surrounding the Seventh-day Adventist church's version of the doctrine of the Trinity. Like many other cults of Christianity, the SDA pays lip service to the doctrine. In fact, most of the church founders, including James White, which is Ellen's husband, as we saw, and Joseph Bates, the other guy. Remember those were the three big ones, right? They rejected the Trinity outright and the deity of Jesus Christ, and they still distort it today no matter what they say. Now, it's the same thing, I'm telling you, when you witness to the Jehovah's Witness, when you witness to the Mormon, what's the same thing we saw in both of those studies? They say they believe in Jesus. But what do you got to do? Well, who's Jesus to you? You've got to get behind the veneer, right? They say they believe in God. But what's your version of God? They say that, you know, it's the same thing with Seventh-day Adventists. They say they have all the right Christian phrase, even words. They'll use the Trinity. They'll use the Godhead. But what they mean by it is radically different. And frankly, it's closer to Mormonism. Let's get into this. Adventist teaching on the Godhead, which they sometimes refer to as the Trinity, is not the same doctrine as the historic. Uh, Christian doctrine of the Trinity. It's actually non-Trinitarian. Okay. Abbotton teaches that God is not a supreme being, but merely the title of a group. What? A group or an organization or club comprising of three divine beings or gods. Well, the, the theological term is what's called tritheism. It's not Trinitarianism. It's tritheism Three divine beings, gods, rather than orthodox trinity. Ellen White said, listen, we need to realize that the Holy Spirit, who is as much person as God is a person, listen, the Holy Spirit is walking through these grounds. What is she implying? The Holy Spirit has a body. What's the scripture say? What did Jesus say? John chapter 4. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit, in truth. He doesn't have a body, he's spirit. Right? Let's go on. He also, these quotes show that the Adventist denial of God's incorporeal nature, that he is spirit, and does not by nature have a body. Not only did Ellen White teach that, listen, that the Holy Spirit has a body, okay, but she says that God the Father has a body. Now, who also does that? Mormons. See what I'm saying? Their version, they'll use the word Trinity, they'll use the word Godhead. But their version is completely radically different. Abbotism has three separate physical divine beings that they call the Godhead. okay, And it's diametrically opposed to the understanding of the Trinity. Luke 24 says, he says, A spirit does not have what? Flesh and bones. And God is spirit. So how could you say that God the Father and the Holy Spirit have a body? It's crazy. So, so you might say, oh, I believe in the Trinity. But you've got to get behind the veneer. Do they really believe in the Trinity? No. you want to get technical? Again, it's tritheism. Okay? It's a misuse of the words. They got the Christianese. They put on the front. But it's not the same thing that you and I uh, believe in. Okay? Then, uh, they also, in attacking Jesus, they say that Jesus is merely one of three divine parts to God. But Jesus is not a part of God. Jesus is fully God. Right? As is each person of the Trinity. Colossians chapter 2. For in him Christ all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. Jesus Christ is the one and only true God. The Holy Spirit is the one and only true God. The, the Father is the one and only, holy, truly God. They are uh, uh, equal in that aspect, but they don't, they separate it into these chunks. That's why it's called tritheism, okay? That's a major difference than what the scripture uh, teaches. Now, not only does Adventism teach that the Godhead was split when Jesus was on the cross, but they even teach that Jesus ceased to exist when he died. Wait a second. He's God. How can he cease to exist? Right? The Adventist Jesus is not the same Jesus as the Bible. So again, they'll say, oh yeah, we believe in Jesus. But is it the same thing? Absolutely not. Okay. Again, this is more closer to the Mormon definition. Okay, Their Jesus is a false Jesus who cannot provide real uh, salvation at all. Okay, the deny his uh, deity amongst other things. Okay now even worse, not only does Adventism From L.M.G. White forbid her adherents from having assurance of salvation Right, because you got to work for it But she also teaches that salvation does indeed come through our own works And she denies the fact that Jesus Christ is not only God himself And that Jesus paid the penalty in full for our sins completely atoning for them and blotting them out, but they actually teach that our sins are not actually atoned for, they're not taken away, they're not blotted out, until, quote, Satan bears them and pays the penalty for them as the scapegoat. Now, is that the same Jesus? Is that the same salvation? Is that what you're relying on? Direct quote. That's a works-based salvation, and that's a twisted one. Uh, Excuse me, not until they get placed on Satan, Satan. Who's the Savior here? Oh, we really believe in Jesus. Oh, we're the same. No, you're not. No, you're not. Okay. Yeah, but Dr. Walt, they lied to him. And we know it's a lie because of what they're teaching, and they continue to teach their false teaching even after that document, but we know it's a lie because even in their own camp, it caused a major mega ruckus even to this day because they said that's not what we believe. You, in essence, are admitting you lied to Dr. Walter Martin. Okay. Okay. The Adventist Jesus is not the Jesus of the the Bible. The teaching is almost identical to the so-called Godhead of Mormonism. The truth is the SDA church is in opposition to the orthodox Christian doctrine of the Trinity, the heresy of tritheism, and also in its adherence to some form of Arianism that denies the eternality of Jesus Christ. Right. So again, I was a little I was disappointed with this little section here, so I wanted to clarify that. Okay? And I'll give the guy respect. Maybe he was You know, just didn't do his homework and you got to get behind the veneer. I mean, they'll say, yeah, we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the Godhead. but Keep going. It's not the same thing. Now, also, I disagree again with his second line here. He gets it right on the Michael, the archangel thing that they want to say Jesus is like Jehovah's Witnesses, but I'm not too comfortable with what he says here about their version of Jesus. While many SDA teachings, he says, on Christ are orthodox, some are not, the SDA believes that Jesus is God. What would you see? Their version of God, no, they deny that, and he's a part, so that's not true. And then he supposedly died, but then this God, how could you die? And, okay, and has always existed with the Father. His sacrifice was vicarious, which means a substitute, but wait a second. You believe that our substitute, in essence, really is Satan when the sins get placed on him, so that's really not even true either. And that he rose from the dead physically, and his glorified body ascended bodily to the heavens. So that's a little disappointing there. I think it's a mishmash there. No, their Jesus is not the same Jesus of the Bible. On a multitude of levels. Now, what I, he does point out, and this is correct, they believe that Jesus is the archangel Michael. Again, who also believes that? Uh, that what Jehovah's Witnesses, okay, but who? Guess who? Where Jehovah's Witnesses came from? They were influenced from the Seventh Day Adventist. So, go figure. Okay, same problem with hell and etc. Cetera, et cetera, He says Ellen White taught that the angel Michael was pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus. No. The SDA is quick to point out, though, that they do not believe that Jesus is any kind of angel. <laughs> you just said. Anybody? However. <laughs> I think it's the only word you left out there. It's, you, what? is called doublespeak. You say one thing, but then you... Okay. Anyway, we'll continue on. Uh, since Michael is called an archangel, they interpret this to mean that Jesus is chief over the angels while still being God. Well, now you just, once again, messed up the scripture. Shocker. However, okay, Daniel 10, 13 says that Michael is one of the chief princes. Is Jesus one of the chief princes then? You can't have it both ways, folks, right? It's called a lie, and eventually it catches up with you. Furthermore, as we saw before, Michael dared not to rebuke Satan, right? June 9. I'll get to that in a second. Jesus, on the other hand, repeatedly rebuked Satan. So guess what? They can't be the same. Right, And we've already dealt with a whole bunch of evidence of why Jesus and the Archangel Michael are two different entities on a massive scale. I mean, go back to Hebrews chapter 1, I'm not going to there, but what's to say that the son Jesus, right? The, the what? The angels, they, they worship him. Well, then how can he be the Archangel Michael? If they'll make, all over the script. We already dealt with that. But what I want to demonstrate to you is once again... What you going to well, how do you justify that? You can't justify it from the Bible that Jesus, the Archangel Michael, there's just no way. Well, and rightly so. So guess what they do? They resort to the same thing, right? And uh, that they did before with the other false teachings, they do a hack job in their version of the Bible. And again, the only thing that's clear about the clear word Bible is it's clearly a perversion. Now, they, on the one hand, will say, oh, no, we don't say that Jesus is Archangel Michael. Yes, you do. Okay. But I'll demonstrate it from their own version of the Bible, the hack job version, that yes, that's really what you believe. Now let me give you a couple examples. John chapter 8. Now this is, I'm going to give you a couple examples of them denying his deity. And then we're going to, how they, they twist the scripture to make it sound like he is the same entity as Michael, the archangel, right? John 8, 58. The real Bible says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am, as we know before from Exodus, that's a specific phrase of claiming deity. That is God, I tell him, Moses, I am who I am, right? That is a phrase of deity. In fact, we know that it was the phrase of the deity, and that's exactly what Jesus meant, because that's why the Jewish people, what? They wanted to kill him for that. How, who do you think you are, right? That's clear in the scripture. You know what they changed it to? They, their version says, Jesus answered, because I existed before Abraham was born. Completely hacked out, the specific phrase, I am. It gets worse. John ten thirty. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. They changed it to, you see, my Father and I are so close. We're one. And so they want to give you the impression like, it's, well, hey, we're just, we're buddies. We're right next to each other. It's not a proximity issue. It's a deity issue. But they twisted it. Right? Okay, now let's get to uh, them saying, oh, no, we don't say the Jesus, to Archangel Michael. Well, look, watch what they do with this. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, the rapture passage. Jesus is going to come, right? Watch this. The real Bible says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Here's what they say. When Christ descends from heaven as the archangel, it's not what it says, right? But again, who are you trying to... Oh, we don't say but what did you just twist the scripture to say? You want us to believe that Jesus Christ is the archangel Michael. Let me give you an even more blatant one. Jude 9, the famous passage where Jesus rebukes, okay, uh, or, or where Michael, the archangel, refuses to rebuke Satan, but Jesus, of course, does. says this. Here's the real Bible. But Michael, the archangel, okay, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. You know what their version says? in contrast to these ungodly men, is the Lord Jesus also called Michael the archangel. What? Does not even say that at all? But again, this is double speak. Oh no, we don't say Jesus the archangel. I just quoted your perverted version. Jesus also called Michael the archangel. Which is not what the text says, but your version says that. But then you say you don't say that. What's the phrase again tonight? Liar, liar pants on fire let me give you one more Revelation 12 verse 7 says this oh this is a whopper Uh, and there was war in heaven Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon Satan the dragon and his angels waged war they changed it to this controversy between God and the dragon began years ago in heaven God's son Michael that is a complete perversion not even close To what we see today. Everything's messed up. Why? Because your source of authority. You say you're a Christian. But your source of authority is outside the Bible. You follow the false teachings of a false prophet. Ellen G. White. That disagrees with the Bible. And then your so-called Christian Bible. Is a perversion hack job. To support her false teachings. That's not Christianity. At all. Your version of God is not the same God. Your version of the Trinity is not the same Trinity. Your version of Jesus, not the same Jesus. And we haven't even got to the salvation thing uh, yet. But let's get down uh, to this next aspect real quick. Christ's nature, and this, let's close it up. Uh, Ellen White taught that, listen to this. This is, wow. She said that, quote, Christ took upon his sinless nature, what? Our sinful nature. What? She says that Jesus had a sin nature? Christ took on nature and bore the infirmities of, and degeneracy of the race. He took our nature and its deteriorating condition. According to the Seventh-day Adventist, Christ acquired a sinful nature. Is your blank there? What? If Jesus had a sinful nature, he would have sinned. If he would have sinned, would he have been the perfect sacrifice? No, which means it would not have been acceptable to God, which means your first clue would have been he never rose from the grave. If he had a sin nature, he couldn't rise from the grave. Because when you and I die, how many of you guys wake up the next day? Still the, you know, on the earth. No, absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord, praise God, where their sins are forgiven. Or if you haven't accepted Christ, you wake up in hell, so to speak. You know, one minute, just. Like, not even a minute. You're just blink of an eye. Oh, okay. Well, wait a second. So, if we, though, were able to have no sin, then guess what? As with the case with Jesus, who was sinless, because he had no sin nature, death has no hold on you, right? Because there's no sin. Well, that's the problem. We needed somebody outside the realm of sin, right, who did not have sin nature, okay, to die in our place. To be the sacrifice. That's what Jesus... You, you, but yet you say Jesus had a sinful nature. You, you destroyed everything we believe in. That one false teaching. The whole Jesus should not be risen from the grave. Jesus' sacrifice should not have been accepted by God. We're doomed. And yet somehow you're Christian, like us? You believe what we believe? There's no way. He says this, However, Jesus Christ is unblemished deity and perfect... Sinless, humanity united in one person forever. Jesus did not have a sin nature. If he had, there would have been no perfect sacrifice. We're all doomed straight to hell. And yet somehow, someway, you want us to believe that you're just like us. You're, you're a Christian. You're born again. You're trust. No, you're not. It's all a bunch of word speak. Now, where do they get a lot of this stuff? It comes from her uh, classic false teaching. I'll call it that. That we've heard some before. It's called the Great Controversy. Right? Uh, actually, it should be retitled "The Great Heresy" because that's what it is. Right? Now, I want you to understand. This is one of their big, major things. Oh, hey! If you're going to read something from Ellen G. White, man, you've got to read "The Great Controversy," man. And this is where they get a lot of their false teachings. Well, you know what it's based on? I had a vision. Not only did I have a vision, I had a vision, and it's kind of creepy. While I was at a funeral. Not a good setting. Okay? But this is what it's based on. This is a big giant work amongst many works. Remember we saw their sh- monks, right? But this is one of her big ones called The Great Controversy Between Christ and Satan, based on a vision that she had. And she said is she valued this work, the great controversy, which is where a lot of this false teaching comes from, okay? Quote, above silver or gold. I mean this is it, man. If you're gonna read something, this is the one. Apparently, even more than the Bible. Okay, And she recommended it to be circulated to all. Now, how did it come about? It was 1858. It was in mid-March. It was at a funeral that was being held at a schoolhouse where Ellen and James White were holding meetings. James was asked to speak, and then Ellen uh, uh, was moved to bear her testimony. In part through her talk, partway through her talk, she went into a, quote, two-hour vision in front of the congregation. Two hours. What? And then she was told that she must write it out. What does that sound like? Remember back in our New Age studies? The Course in Miracles? Helen Schukman. This voice kept telling her, this is the Course in Miracles, write it down. This is the Course in Miracles, write it down. That was a demon. No different than this. Oh, we've got to write this down. A great controversy. Well, it's a great heresy is what it is. Okay? So she did. They went ahead and they began to write this thing down. Oh, by the way, when she was done with her vision... At a stopover, she uh, experienced a stroke of paralysis, and for several weeks afterwards, she could not feel pressure on her hand or cold water poured on her head. Something funky happened, okay? (laughs) You know, and it's back to the debate. Okay, trying to be kind, is she just still, is she left over with some of these seizures from getting hit in the head with a rock as a kid? Remember, she went into a coma being kind, or is this flat-out demonic? Or a combination of both? I don't know. But it ain't how you... Uh, it's not where you derive truth from. Now, she wrote in first-person present tense with the phrase, I saw, 161 times, right? I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw, in this work. okay? And this is where she gets into the bulk of her uh, false teachings, and I'm going to give a recap on that, order we'll next week, but we've got to get ready to close. But when the early Adventists accepted this vision is true, they cemented their position outside the Christian faith interpreting, literally hacking the scripture through the lens of this new revelation, right? So her two-hour vision at a funeral service to which later she was paralyzed and had some freaky physical effects, okay, is their basis for much of their hack job on their version of the Bible and the false teachings okay one guy says this they use the same words all christians use but they mean different things than christians mean when discussing the scripture and today nothing has changed oh by the way how do we also know that this thing was not from god well how do you know Pastor Billy? maybe it was a special no it wasn't because it's from this work that the guy says we have evidence of 90 percent being plagiarized god doesn't plagiarize the whole thing is a bunch of baloney now Believe it or not, as we close, remember when I, I shared with you guys that um, she uh, um, that we were st- when we started this study. Guess what starts showing up in the mail? You've already some of you've already given them to me. The, the, the Seventh-day Adventist doctrine and and how they're really sneaky about it, right? They, they don't tell you who they are. It's just some mysterious thing. You just got to read this thing. Well, they do the same thing with this great controversy, right? Because remember, she said it's more valuable than silver or gold. You've got to read this two-hour vision that I had at a funeral, and I something freaky happened to me, okay? The news is picking up on it. Watch this, this is wild. The book is showing up in mailboxes across Philadelphia, and most residents are finding it, well, pretty mysterious. The book is called The Great Controversy. And most people who've gotten it say that they have no idea why it was sent to them. Fox Twenty Nine, Seanette Wilson, live in Center City. Shawnette, you've got some answers. We did, Joyce. It took some phone calls and some emails, but we did get some answers. The publisher tells me about 700 copies were sent out around Philadelphia. It caught many we talked to by surprise who want to know who sent out this book and why. I thought it was kind of odd, actually, to get a book in your mail. George Jackals is one of many people on his block in South Philly who received this book by surprise in the mail. Most of the guys I know threw it in the trash, y'all. I don't know. No, I figured I'd give it a shot. It's called the Great Controversy. It's got a lot to, a lot of Bible uh, quotations and captions in it. It landed in mailboxes all around the city with subtitles like Past, Present, Future, and How Will It End, written on the cover beneath the title. I don't know where it came from. We made some phone calls to find out about the mystery book. The company says the original book was written in the 1850s by a woman named Ellen White, who died in 1915. Several versions of the book have come out since then. It was sent by Remnant Publications. Oh, what's the name of the publication? The Remnant Publications. Don't tell you who it is. Where's it coming from? But the remnant. We've got the real truth. Because this lady had a two-hour vision at a funeral service. Went into paralysis. Couldn't feel cold water on her. And it's worth more than silver and gold. That's why we're paying out of our pocket to send it to you. Secretly. Are we supposed to share the gospel secretly? Openly. You're absolutely right. Oh, and by the way, if you're so proud of your teaching, if you're the remnant church and you have the truth, why are you so sneaky about it? Why don't you just flat out say this is from Seventh-day Adventists, whether it be your conferences, whether it be your pamphlets, whether it be the great controversy, just come out and say it. Unless you're doing what you did to Walter Martin. And it's double speak. What's the phrase? liar. Liar. Pants on fire. Well, believe it or not, that's the beginning. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to get into the other marks of a cult, okay? And uh, that's going to be the nature of man and the means of salvation, okay? Now, you don't have the right salvation. Where do you go? To hell. And this is not a gospel-centered salvation. It's works. We'll get into that, Lord willing, next time. Let's pray. Well, hi. This is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get-A-Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you...